Welcome to the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Davidson, where it's my job to deconstruct the techniques, habits, and strategies of world-class mountain bikers so that you can discover how to shred with absolute confidence. We'll cover everything from breaking down exactly how you can ride faster with more control to reducing crashes and even how to transform your life with insights from the leaders of our sport. Whether you're a beginner getting started, an advanced rider hungry for an edge, or an elite rider competing to prolong your career, the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast has something for you. So get ready, let's drop in and go hit the trails. All right, ladies and berms, mountain bike fanatics and riders of the world, welcome to the Mountain Bike Movement Podcast. This is episode number four and I am excited to have a very special guest here with me today. His name is Cody Wilkins, and when you don't see him out throwing down no-footed can-cans and backflips at places like Highland Mountain Bike Park or riding all over the States, you will find him in an excavator building some of the finest trails in America. So, Cody, welcome to the podcast. Cody is a veteran trail builder. He's uh, kind of grew up riding on the East Coast, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your current project right now with Census Rad Trails? Census Rad Trails is pretty cool. It was founded by Cam Zing. I think he incorporated it like four or five years ago. He's like, listen, I run this awesome product company. I'm a business myself as a pro athlete. You know, I have this amazing outreach. Like, how can we make trails better? How do we can we get more progressive trails? How do we get more kids on bikes? And how do we get good trails in more communities? Because if you look at it, like a lot of the trails are kind of like centered around these destination areas. And we kind of saw an opportunity, or Cam really saw the opportunity. This was long before I got involved, of like you can build good trails kind of wherever. It doesn't need to be on the West Coast in California. It doesn't need to be, you know, in the big mountains back east. It can be in the Midwest. It can be in Florida. It can be in any country, really. You know, it doesn't take much. But there's just a gap between getting the idea of the trail and getting the trail built. And then it kind of sat stagnant for a while. And I was fortunate enough to be helping out at Rampage one year. And I was going to start my own trail company. This is two years ago. And I was talking to him about it. And he kind of just was like, Hey, man, I don't think you should start that company. Like I've had this nonprofit kind of sitting stagnant. I've been too busy riding. I'm like running my other business census. And, you know, if you'd like to kind of step into that role and, and run this trail building company, it'd be really cool. And we could work together on it. And, you know, I had this entrepreneurial mindset at first. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to run someone else's company. But, you know, once I thought about it, you know, Cam is, he's, he's Cam Zink and he's been a here of mine forever. And I still have a lot of flexibility. Like I still get to run it as if I'm running a business. You know, I have a lot of saying he's involved in everything we do, but yeah, he's my boss, but he's not like a boss figure. So it's, it's worked out really, really well. And I think that I've gotten so many better opportunities because I'm working for Cam. Like he's man and he's so involved with things mm -hmm. without being like overbearing. So it's, it's really great. It's really cool. How did you originally meet Cam Zink? Did you happen to be on the mountain at Rampage? Just like throwing a shovel? <laughs> no, no. So I grew up riding at like a pretty high level and a really good riding buddy of mine, Ray Siren, who's like the absolute man, is the brand manager for Census Grips. And it's long story short, I was doing the ski bum thing. I was living in Wyoming skiing and I'd blown my knee twice before I was like 25 competing and, and just skiing backcountry stuff. And I was just like, mm -hmm. 
I wasn't over it, but I was like, man, like I'd really like to get back into biking. And around that time, Cam was building out his best jumps in Reno. Mm-hmm. And I'd been trying, I wanted so bad to ride in the best series. And it's really hard because those guys are all, you know, they got a vet and everybody that goes through and I didn't have an in. And I was like, Oh, my buddy Ray works for Cam. And I hit up Ray and I was like, Hey Ray, like you haven't you know, seen each other in years, <laughs> but like, if I come and help you dig in Reno, like, can I ride in this best event? And he was essentially like, dude, that'd be awesome. And so I, I ended up kind of helping dig those best series. It was on like ABC World of X Games or something like that. Nice. I mean, I helped build those. So I, and it was kind of just like dig to ride. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how I was able to kind of prove myself and, and just kind of start that conversation with him. He's also got this incredible little network of like, he's like a very community-based guy. Like if someone's willing to put in the hard work, like he recognizes it. So yeah. everybody in Reno, like that works hard and rides bikes is like on his radar. So it doesn't take much. Like you're not like, he's not blind to like all these Groms and all these diggers and all these people involved in the local community. Mm -hmm. He's not like looking above them. He's like, he's on it. Like he knows which kids are going to be the next good kids. He knows which kids are working their ass off to be like the next big digger, you know, like, and he wants to help out. Like he's got his foot in the door in the industry and he's, he's like the most helpful, best mentor I could imagine in the bike world. And it does a lot about the guy. He's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it takes a lot to be a leader, but even more than that, it takes a special skill set to take a vision. Yeah. Like talking about with you bringing a trail to life. So we can maybe on the the next episode we do, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, maybe the difference between a fest series sequence of hits versus like a local jump. But Let's kind of focus in on, look, if someone were to go to one of the trail networks that you've worked on, maybe what's your goal for the community and what do you usually solve in terms of like a challenge or a problem for a community where they say, hey, we really need some help from you guys. Like what is your objective or problem you can solve by, uh, by building a trail that way? The tough thing is I see like three major issues when I like, not issues, that's kind of a bad way to put it like we're brought in for three reasons i guess would be the best way to say it like number one reason is hey we have an awesome mountain bike community the generation that built these trails were all volunteer they worked their ass off to get these trails built they put in thousands and thousands of hours of man hours they worked with the city they did it for free they put in all these hours but we want the next generation to ride we want like a flow trail so in that case like the relationship is generally there it might be fragile or it might be new but like for us to get machines in the ground and start building jump trails and rollers and, and burns and all that stuff, like that's a new concept. But the idea of mountain biking isn't a new concept. The second issue or, you know, situation we usually step into will be like, hey, like we don't have any trails around here. We really want to get something going. Where do we start? And then the third thing is like, hey, we got all these float trails built years ago. They're outdated. They were poorly built and the builders kind of stepped away. And now we have this project that's really not that safe. The kids want to ride it, but it's not that well built. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like three ends of the spectrum. It's like, we've gone all in. We know we know what we're doing, but we don't know how to build this specific type of trail. We have the relationships lined up. We have the funding lined up. All we need to do is to show up and be our builder. We have the, hey, we need to like put mountain biking on the map in our community because nobody recognizes that. And the third is like, hey, we went through this process and it might have been a failed process, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we need to kind of do the patchwork on it. Gotcha. So it's kind of like fully there, halfway there and not there at all. Is kind of the yeah. three situations that I've found. So Yeah. And what's really cool about this is like you have a very intentional energy about how you approach trail building. But I mean, you got your start kind of like I did building trails in the backyard and, oh, dude, I saw that on TV. Let's try it. You know, and (laughs) 
And it's kind of cool to be able to see someone with the spirit of writing like that, to be able to take kind of the, not, not so much like the business side, but an accessible, purposeful, like a, you can actually solve a real problem with what you can yeah. do. I mean, how, how mm-hmm. cool is that to be able to, I mean, I'm basically asking like, Hey dude, you got a dream job. What's the coolest <laughs> part about it? <laughs> but, yeah. but think about it. I mean, what's the coolest part about being able to lean on both the creativity, like the fun aspect of it. And then actually this just being your job. I think that's really tough. And I, I'm torn right now. It was like, should I separate my job and my work and like my fun time or like, should I go all in and just kind of make it one? And you know, it's tough. Like personal relationships can suffer because of it. You know, if I'm traveling yeah. all the time and it's like, I don't actually ride my bike that much if I'm in the middle of like a really good project because I want to do the best job possible. But you know, like I love the idea of like growing with the business. Like, so I, you know, I ski bum for years. So I did carpentry during the day and then I'd get off work at three thirty and go bartend till you know, one o'clock in the morning, like three or four nights a week. And like, Mm-hmm. what I saw from that, and my dad's a contractor as well, is that like, yeah, the, the building part of it, you got to learn to go swing a hammer. You got to learn to be a contractor. You got you can't be a, a good boss if you haven't put in the physical work yourself. Like I can't go tell somebody, hey, rake, slap pack, and make that corner perfect if I'm not willing to get out of the excavator and do that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm like, I want to like, yeah, I'm right now, I'm doing all of, as much physical labor as anybody I'm hiring. Wow, you know? that's awesome. I'm doing just as much work as I have to. But I want to grow into like more of a managerial role, like a project manager. Yeah. Because I would love it if I had like two or three crews or if Rad Trails had two or three crews, it's selfish to say I. But if I was sitting there and I was like, hey, we have these three projects going Mm -hmm. on. I'll be there for the start and finish. I'll get all these three crews started and I'll come back at the end, do a quality control check. Wow. You know, or get to the, and like, that's my goal. And like 10 years from now, because then it goes for me swinging a pickaxe, you know, when I traveling nonstop, mm-hmm. like I, you know, I love traveling, but it's like in 10 years, it might get really old or in five years, it might get really old. So I, I love the fact that I can see a future that's like not as physically intense mm-hmm. and I can grow into the business side as I, my body grows down. But right now I'll swing a pickaxe and run a chainsaw or run an excavator <laughs> all day and yeah. then go riding or go ride my dirt bike afterwards. So yeah. it's finding that balance now is tough, but I, I have like maturity goals. You know, I want as business mature as <laughs> I want to mature goals. with it. So I don't want to be like limping around when I'm 40, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, I want to be like healthy and being able to ride and go skiing every day. I hear so. you. Well, that's great too. And we even talked about that too, because we chatted about you even coming over to my place and (laughs) us throwing a shovel together a little bit just to kind of get it started. And then, you know, I would finish the project as well. But I got to ask, when it comes to building or riding, what is the feature or or segment that you've been most proud of? When you look at it, you go like, that's it. That's the one. It's so tough. You know, I'm actually, I'm at summer camp right now. Mm-hmm. Any skier that I know, I'm at Wendell's or High Cascade. It's like a ski snowboard camp in Oregon. Mm-hmm. We partnered with them this year to build out their mountain bike program. So Milepost 35 is the new camps are doing. I'm actually in the coach's house right now. I, I snuck away from coaching 15 minutes early to come do this. <laughs> but I was working here all spring and I made a multi jump and an airbag setup, a dual slalom track. And a couple just like hand-built, like super steep, kind of raw, like rut trails on campus here. And watching the kids last week riding it is like one of the most proud things. Because the level of riding these kids are at is incredible. Yeah. And I, you know, I built some of this stuff being like, you know, like in every group, we'll have like one or two kids sitting in. And I have this like 14-year-old girl in my camp, you know, and she's like throwing bar spins and like no-footed cans. And she's getting taking these massive jumps and like 
slapping corners and you're like what the heck like and then all <laughs> the awesome. other kids it's i was like whoa like and so as far as like as like having this like proud digger moment i'm like wow like i built this these kids are so hyped on these mm-hmm. setups and, I, and for me i was like i don't know if i did the best job here because sometimes i rush things sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate this was all these factors and, and I, I think for building I'm, I'm always trying to tweak things but seeing these kids rip here is incredible and so to have these young, like 14 year old kids who can be some of the, you know, harshest critics be like, man, that jump is so sick. <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, God, as long as, as, long if, as I can, if I can make a 14 year old happier, yeah. then I'm going Yeah, as long as the 14 year old chick throwing bar spins is happy, then you've definitely <laughs> yeah. passed the test. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man. Brooke Anderson, she's incredible. She's going to be like the next thing in, in women's biking, not even a women's biking, in biking. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. She's an incredible, and an awesome, awesome person, super level head. So I love it. So these are great, man. Thanks so much for sharing this so far. Now, um, here's a good question for you, man. So kind of speaking about, you know, taking pride in your work, I'm curious who or what do you feel like has been the biggest influence on your building style and vision? Ooh, I would say my favorite builder rider is Nico Vink. Like <laughs> the dude, is, right? I mean, that's like almost like a loaded question. It's okay. like, it's like, okay, what's the, who builds like the sickest looking trails? Who's like the skeeziest rider of all time? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's Vink. Like that dude is insane. But you like, I, I love Cam's like eye as well. Cam has this like really cool creative eye because, you know, I think a lot of people see him as this like free ride legend, but the dude does it. He rides dirt bikes. He rides his hardtail. He rides, he's raced world cups. He's like, he does it all, you mm-hmm. know? And so like, he's got a really good eye that maybe like draws some other things. And then. I'm a big skier. So I try to like really throw in that skier style. But yeah, as far as like just straight building goes, like if I could build half as good as Nico Vink, I would be so stoked. And the guy just was like, he rips, you know? And mm-hmm. so he's building these incredibly like perfect manicured jump lines that aren't necessarily all abilities, but like you can roll something. But if you have a keen eye, there's a 60 foot gap. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think that goes a really, really long way. So yeah, Vink, Vink's my biggest influence. And I, I, I hope to like get to build with him or, or meet him and ride with him one day. I, I met him once at Ramp Range briefly, but Very cool. I'd love to like spend like, I'd love to work on a project with him for a month. Maybe that's not out of the question. So. Well, dude, nothing's <laughs> out of the question, man. It's just riding bikes. Yeah, not I love it. Yeah. It's just bikes. It's like that. You got to remember that. It's like, you're like, when you have big dreams in biking, you're like, it's biking. It's like a pretty nerdy thing. Like, you know, you can move up in biking pretty easily. You know, it's not really that unattainable. Yeah. Think. It's a lot easier than becoming like a quarterback for like, you know, Giants or the Patriots. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's probably my favorite thing about the sport <laughs> because I haven't met an athlete or, or someone who's been around the athletes that just isn't cool and down to earth for some reason. I think, yeah. and we talked about this too in our private conversation about a week ago. It was so interesting because, you know, you talk about these individual sports, skiing, snowboarding, wakeboarding. I don't know as much about those, but what's really cool about mountain biking is that it's not as much of a destination sport. It's more like, hey, we can build this here. And, you know, if you yeah. if we go in and if someone were to listen to the interviews of the people in the towns where you built trails, they'll hear them talking about like, yeah, these guys have been here for a while and we realized there was potential. It's almost like it's this self-made kind of from the ground up grassroots thing where it can be either extremely competitive or not competitive at all, even on the same trail. Yeah. And again, a good builder 
is able to create something where there's a 65 foot gap in there or someone who's maybe a little bit newer or, or progressing can find some some shred in there as well or at least not kill themselves on the same yeah. trail you know if you accidentally <laughs> ride down. But, for sure but you know i think i think that's one thing about mountain biking like the attainability aspect of it's great you know it's like you have to be level-headed because there's not as much money and resources going to these athletes as a lot of people think mm-hmm. you know and not to say that you know a lot of you know a lot of them doing well but like going back to the football analogy like tom brady if he was in your town helping build a football stadium isn't going to stay at a volunteer's house mm-hmm. you know like and we went down to florida and we did this build and it was like you know cam has no problem we stayed at our, our buddy ronnie well now he's our good buddy when we we didn't even know him and except through email and he's like oh i have a mother-in-law so you can stay with us now every time we go to florida we stay yeah. with this guy you know and he's just like he's just like an awesome dude who's fired up on his community he's trying to get good trails built and you know, it's like Cam Zink shows up at his house. Like if I was 12 years old and that had happened, like I would have, my mind would have been blown. <laughs> and growing into it now, you know, yeah. it's like, and growing into it now, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, you know, these guys, they're like awesome humans and mountain biking keeps people pretty down to earth. You know, it's like awesome sport, but it's not cool enough to be exclusive. You know, it's like, yeah, we're not too big for our britches, man. Come on over. It's yeah, uh, it's a friendly We're place. like all kind of dorky, like, you know, nerdy people. <laughs> so it's like, or no, none of us are that cool, like right? you know. Like, yeah, it's if you told people you were high, like a mountain biker in high school, you weren't like getting all the girls. You know? Yeah, like, it was. It's like uh, so I it, didn't even get into riding until college, and like I didn't even care. I was just like, "This is cool," and people would always look yeah. at me funny. So it's like I don't care. But um, no, yeah. speaking actually, let's talk <laughs> about that. So I mean, look, there are a lot of people that are because here, if you look at the demographics of riders out there right now, the key demographics of people that participate. And mountain biking, it's, you know, the 12, 14, 15, 16 year old kids. And then it's the 45 to 55, maybe six year old, mostly guys, but there are a lot of really awesome female writers. And it's just what I've found is that a lot of people, especially students that, that we work with, they ask, you know, well, I'm scared of jumping or I'm scared of, you know, going really fast around that corner. And I think kind of the pinnacle of mountain bike fun obviously is jumping. So let's talk yeah, about this yeah. for a second. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So let's say that someone had your attention to give them insight on maybe the most overlooked or easy to build feature to learn jumping on. What would you say that uh, really would be the most easy go-to thing that someone could put in their backyard and what materials might they use? How could someone start to learn to jump from your perspective what do you think i think if you want to break it down as simple as possible like the old firewood and a board on top of it or a cinder block you can learn a lot on that which is, and it's really overrated like you can if you're listening and you're 10 years old and you don't have any dirt and you live in a, and you have an alleyway behind your house no yard like boom there's your jump and you can improve very heavily on that if you have a shovel you know you buy a 10 dollars shovel and you have some dirt in your yard just build a lip and just build it and grow it and grow it. I always, like my brother mm-hmm. and I would always do growing up is there was like this natural like hill kind of like off the, our driveway. And we didn't have a ton of land growing up, but there was just like, it was like a four foot like kind of knoll. And we originally just built a little jump right on the knoll. So it was like a two foot gap. And then I think by the time I left for college, we had like a seven foot lip, oh, wow. you know, 10 feet back to a mulch pit over that same knoll you know it was maybe we had 100 feet of run-in and we had 50 feet afterwards 
And it was just building this one little jump and the jump got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, we just started building by shovels and then all of a sudden we were stealing lumber from our dad's, you know, contracting business to, like, <laughs> to build lifts and stuff like that. But just yeah. start small. I mean, pretty much if you're not willing to build a big jump, you're probably not ready to hit a big jump. So it's like whatever you're willing to build is probably within your skill, your skill set. Yeah. So, and build crappy jumps. Building crappy jumps when you're young is great because if you learn to hit crappy jumps when you're seven years old, like you're going to kill it when you're like 27 years old, you know, <laughs> all of the mothers, <laughs> because it's true. All, yeah. all the mothers listening right now are like, Oh, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Like, you know, like learning to hit, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, look at the best skiers in the world. Like most of them are from the East coast where the skiing sucks. Okay. The skiing doesn't suck back East, but the conditions suck, mm-hmm. you know, consistently. And it's like, that makes you a better skier. And if you're growing up, like as a builder, yeah, I'm going to build, really good jumps when I'm being paid to build even when I'm not being paid to build, I'm going to build safe, really smooth, like awesome jumps. That's my goal. But if you're 10 years old, if you build a jump that has a bad transition and you go over the bars and smash your face in, you're never going to build a jump like that again, or you're going to learn how to ride it correctly. And I think that's the thing. I think that rough cut stuff is like really important. And it's just like, you know, I think, yeah, I would love to go to communities and build perfect flow trails and dual slalom tracks and pump tracks for everybody and jump trails. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't also don't want to make it, you don't want to make it too easy, you know, like it's because then you're on that downhill track and that rock that doesn't look like a lip, but could be a lip. If you're only used to hitting perfect stuff, you're not going to, you're not going to hit that, you know, more progressive gap or that faster line. So, and the truth is, man, it's like, let's be honest, like this is a little bit personal here, but there's so much stuff where everything's so sanitized and it's over safe. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how do you know how to dig deep and see what you're made of? If the seven-year-old and you can't take a little risk. And, you know, I'm grateful that I found mountain biking and that's exactly what we did. Some of the stuff we built was a bit sketchy and I'm so great. I'm really a little nervous about the one concussion that I got trying a one-hander over like that stuff's serious. You know, you got to wear your helmet. Yeah, very serious. But it's like every time I crashed, I learned so much and I was even more hungry to get better and come back to it and build it right. And just the learning process of screwing up, you can't get that if you don't build some of your own stuff. There's just something that you're missing. And that's what I was so stoked to ask you about on this podcast is just like, because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you go ask a classroom or you go ask a a guide online or something, you're going to get some kind of sanitized answer. It's like sometimes there's a time and a place to go break your face in and do it, do it safely. But like, go break your face in and figure it out. You know, I, I'm a big believer in making mistakes and, um, and thanks for sharing that. I appreciate your honesty. That's yeah. Awesome. I try to be as honest as possible because it's like, it's so true though. You're know, like going back, obviously, yeah. Wear your, wear your helmet when you're learning to hit jumps and build jumps. <laughs> yeah. But, preferably a full face. Yeah. From, preferably you know, a full face. yeah. <laughs> but you know, but it is that balance of like, okay, like how do we, you have to grow with it. Like, you know, it's like even this trail building stuff on the business side, it's like, yeah, I lost a couple of bids and that was my fault mm-hmm. that I should, bids I shouldn't have lost. Like jobs that really could have helped me out for, you know, getting started and would have, you know, helped me move things along quicker. But I, now I'm never going to mess up like a bid like that. Again. There you go. You know, and it, it's stuff like that. Or even this mulch jump that we just built here at Wendell's, it's like, it's pretty good. It's really good. But I ride it every time and I, I'm constantly thinking, how can we tweak it? How can we make it better? And it's just that constant evolution. You know, I really, I think that hard, crappy trails, it's like, I always do, I think corners are the best example. Like I'm all for berms. I love ripping the crap out of a berm, but I love crappy berms. I love flat off camber, rooty, 
you maybe only get it once out of the 20 times you ride it like perfect because if you want to grow up and be a racer and you're going to go to Europe and race in EWS, I got some bad news for you. There's not many berms on those mm-hmm. courses. You know, of course it's like you're getting thrown in with the big dogs. And so I think that's with rat trails. That's one thing I'm really proud of. It's like, if we're going to build a pump track, the, or a dual slalom track or dirt jumps or a really good jump trail, like, yeah, Cam's going to have a super heavy influence. My brother, I hired him for a ton of work. He's a really good dirt jump builder. He's one of the um, head builders at the Trekkie bike park mm-hmm. in, in California. But I was just building a downhill track in Jackson Hole, Wyoming for the resort. And I hired Marco Osborne and Ben Cruz, who are like two of the baddest enduro downhill dudes in the U.S. to build the trail. Because when they're there, they're like, this looks like France. We should build like the trails are in France because now we're breeding French enduro athletes. You know, like Mm -hmm. he's like, those trails are not other than this. Like, let's. So it's, I love that adaptability about it. We have a lot of great resources to like plug the right person into that. And, you know, it's just going back to that, like, hey, it doesn't always have to be perfect. We have suspension. We have knobby tires. Like, if we're going to ride when it rains. Like, we don't have to make it perfect. Right. And, like, even steep trails, it's like, I can go on and off about this. But, like, you know, there's, like, great. They're like, oh, what about erosion? I was like, sometimes erosion makes a trail better. Or some people are looking for an eroded trail. And a lot of people are going to be pissed off that I say that. But, like, the best downhill tracks I've ever ridden were built 25 years ago. And have barely mm-hmm. been touched since then. And they're eroded to crap. They've seen 25 years of winters and skids and face plants. And, and they're the best trails out there. So yeah. I think growing with that, you know, there's, we don't want to forget about the rough. I think flow gets the beginners in, but the rough stuff and the poorly built stuff is there's a place for it for sure. Mm-hmm. Mountain biking has morphed quite a bit. Where do you see things really taking off? Like when people ride like what kind of trails are they getting into where they're really realizing that? Like as far as where I see mountain, I think more mountain bike specific. Like I think like how they're categorizing trails, like I like forest service is a good example. Like there's mm-hmm. only a few places that have like mountain bike specific trails on forest service. And you know, otherwise they're multi-use and you know, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of great trails, especially high Alpine stuff out West that can be multi-use. It's fun. You're running for a different reason. But some trails need berms and they don't need 180 degree switchbacks, you know, and rollers will help the speed or shut down speed. But, you know, a lot of people complain about the flow trail thing, like being like, oh, there's too many flow trails going in. But the reality is it's like biking had this like kind of like reversal where we didn't start with that buildup. Like we had like very Mm -hmm. rugged, hand-built, gnarly, rocky trails built right away because those are easy to build. They were hidden because they were being built illegally, like, you know, 30, yep. 40 years ago. Never and built so one of those trails, myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but seriously, but like, those exist. You know, like, you can go right. anywhere in the country, and they'll, people will be like, oh, there's a bike trail over here, and you ride it, and it was built 30 years ago. So those trails exist. So people are complaining that too many flow trails are being built. I haven't been around the sport long enough to realize that a lot of the trails that were that have existed for decades mm-hmm. are the exact opposite. And what we need to do right now is we need to grow the sport. And the flow trails bring people in. They bring that kid on a strider bike out into the mountains for the first time. And then you sneak yeah. in a rock on the next trail. And then you sneak in another rock. And then you take those jumps away. Yeah. And now all of a sudden that kid's looking to go rip some rocky, crappy trails. So I love it. I, you know, there's a place for every, I, we had like a re- reverse progression in it almost, but when people are like, yeah, it's yeah. almost like they were worried. That's what it was going to become, but it's almost like yeah. we had to build the foundation where not everyone needs that foundation to get into writing because they're pioneering. It's yeah. like their, their vision is just like, Whoa, we're, we've been riding motocross bikes on this kind of stuff. Why can't we ride a mountain bike or like, Hey, this, this looks like something we might go down on a snowboard. 
there's no snow here, but what if we took this bike <laughs> and they're like zipping down the scree fields, you know? Um, and it's, yeah, exactly. So, so like, and that's kind of what got me into riding too. It's watching, um, I remember the very, okay. And this, this is kind of cool too. I don't know uh, what yours moment might've been. My moment that got me hooked on mountain biking was, uh, first my buddies took me out to the, uh, Issaquina forest at Clemson university. And they're like, we got to show you these trails, man. I'm like, I don't even know what a mountain bike trail is. Like, what is this? And I had like a borrowed bike and we had this drop that was maybe like a foot or two, <laughs> but you came in going like maybe realistically, possibly 25 or 30 miles an hour, like real speed. And it would drop and there was this long run out. So you could go 10, 15 feet as a complete beginner you know, laterally uh, out. Yeah. And, and I was like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Like, this is a jump. This is a bike jump. I, I don't know what this is, but I like it. And, and then someone showed me the movie Rome. And I remember the, the uh, camera yeah. panning over this ladder bridge as Darren Bearclaw was like, I like, I remember the sound of the hammer and it was yeah, just like, yeah. and I remember the music starting. And as soon as he dropped in, I think it was like an Indian air sea crab. I like, I, I remember myself like getting out of my chair and just knowing like, that's it. Like that's, I don't know what this is, but that's it. Like, that's what I've got to be doing. And, uh, I still haven't done an Indian air sea grab, but I, we've got, we, we've been talking, I've got some plans. So, um, yeah, no, I, think, uh, <laughs> I would love to be there for that one. That's, I just actually found a kid okay. yesterday and I was so stoked because it's one of my favorite tricks. I think the, do, the so. thing that's been on my mind for a long time is like a tail whip just for whatever reason, but, um, those are so hard. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, we'll, but, we'll get into that not, on episode on two. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get on episode yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I was like, I was like, I was gonna say, if you want to talk for two hours about what tricks are hard and easy and like, you know, we can do that. Yeah. Right I, now, think I, have, uh, I think I have, I think I have, we'll talk about that in episode too. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about an idea I've got, but so anyways, that's like kind of my, my moment or my like story. And, and I was kind of curious, you know, did you have a particular moment that made you go, I'm a trail builder. Like this is, this is it for me. You know, it's funny because I don't think there's a particular moment to be a trail builder, but as far as being a mountain biker goes, yeah. like I remember I grew up right in Cloudicle bike park in upstate New York, mm -hmm. legendary bike park. Like it is, the East Coast, by the way, like I was at coaching at Highland last year and total side tangent on this. My buddy Dylan Conti and I were like, how many bike parks do you think are within a six hour radius? And we counted like 27 or 28, like six hour radius of Highland. Wow. So we're like, wow, like everybody's talking about the West Coast being the epicenter of biking there. So long. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I grew up riding this bike park, Platicill, and I grew up skiing there as well um, in upstate New York. And I remember like we would ski there all the time in the winter. And it's the kind of place where like the owner will sell you your lift ticket. You come in for lunch halfway through the day and he serves you, you know, your chili cheese dog. And then you go to get on the chairlift that afternoon and he's like bumping chairs, you know, it's like, yeah. and then he's in the bar later that night bartending, you know, it's like that kind of place. Yeah. And it, it was like Laszlo, isn't it? He's like still running. He's, it's like this incredible park. But I remember skiing there all the time and we were skiing there in the spring one time and some people were like hiking up and biking the lower trails. And I was like, man, like, what are they doing? Like they were riding the chair. They were like getting ready to ride the chairlift up. And so, for me, I was like, I was like, that's so cool. Like, this is my favorite place to spend time in the winter. Like, I can come here in the summer and ride up the chairlift and bomb down on a mountain bike. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that was skiing for me, you know? And, and it filled this eight month void in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And then it, what evolved from there was they didn't have a trail crew necessarily. They had like one or two guys that would dig. But every spring, their trail crew was, hey, if you show up on a Saturday and you build trail for us, we'll run the chair from four to six. 
and you can ride your bike from four to six. And the next day you work from nine to 12 and we'll run the chair from 12 to four. Yeah. And then we'll give you a ticket for every day that you build. So instead of buying a season pass, my dad would drop me off and I would go up there in the woods and dig these trails at this bike park. I had no idea what I was doing. They'd literally drive you to the top of a steam mountain in a truck and give you like, they were giving like a 14 year old a chainsaw and we're like, Hey, like go, you know, go clear trails. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like, I don't know what the deal is with this, but then it evolves in like all of a sudden every spring I was doing that I was driving there mm-hmm. and then I you know it's and we would clear out the trails and that's when I was like this is really cool because then I'd ride it and there'd be a race there and be like I built that berm I built that, I helped build that rock section I cut down that tree yeah you know when you're 15 you know which is really cool so that's kind of mm-hmm. where it like really started for me it wasn't a moment it was just it was like this natural progression of like growing up in a very rural area and being like this is my favorite place. It was simple, you know, like mm-hmm. this is my favorite place to be in the winter. Why wouldn't it be my favorite place to be in the summer? You're going the same speeds in the same woods, like with the same people. Like, why wouldn't I do that? It's like no brainer, you know, like what well, if it makes me happy then why would it make me happy in the other half of the year? You know, yeah. so. Just kind of following the desire. There's a yeah. common theme. Pretty much everybody that I interview on the podcast, they say something similar. Like I just, I loved it. And why, why not? And then yeah. they went the next logical step. So fantastic. Thanks for sharing that too, man. Um, yeah, of course. What about, you know, another thing too is this idea of, there's two things we've talked about. One, it's like the whole, just go build a crappy jump and figure it out. And then two, you mentioned, you know, 14 year olds with chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, without instruction. Don't recommend it. Don't give your 14 year old chainsaw. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's like, look, you know, there's something about just kind of the the raw, rugged, rite of passage in terms of getting involved with something like this. And it's almost like you have this objective that you just figure out how to do. And to me, that's, you know, my family, there's a bunch of entrepreneurs, everybody, Uh, even the CPAs in my family are entrepreneurs. So it's like, (laughs) we can't even, can't even get away with it. uh, Exactly. So, so the whole point is, well, how interesting is it that, most everybody who's a riding fanatic kind of has this streak of adventure, the streak of desire to see what's out there. You know, maybe mm-hmm. an ex- it's an explorer thing, or maybe it's a, let me see what I'm made of kind of thing, or maybe I can beat the clock kind of thing. It's just kind of cool how mountain biking has so much of that life to it in a way. And it is what we create. Yeah. And it is what we want it to be in a lot of ways. So what a great type of uh, way to get involved in something, right? Yeah, no, totally. And it's, you know, it does sound so cheesy and cliche to be like, oh, do what you love and the money will follow. And mm-hmm. But, you know, it's also, it's more complicated than that as well. You know, it's like, you know, those days I wasn't really getting paid to build. And then I went to college. I started school at the University of Vermont and then I finished school at Sierra Nevada College on Tahoe. What's your degree in? I majored in business and entrepreneurship and then focused in outdoor like management and oh, outdoor recreation. Well, that's pretty perfect. So, <laughs> yeah, but so, but it wasn't like planned, but you know, like I was like, honestly, I, I felt pressured mm-hmm. to go to college. Like, I wish I would have gone to school when I was like 25 or something. Like, my brother didn't go to college and he's doing the same thing I'm doing and freaking killing it. But the thing is, is that like, I've had like, if you were to list out my jobs on a resume, like every job I've ever worked, it would be insane. Like, people would laugh and be like, this kid, first of all, has the attention span of a goldfish because he quits a job every two months. But also <laughs> like, they're like, this kid also has no idea what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, cause like I was, I was like, I do carpentry and I wasn't getting paid that much, but I was like, then I'll go bartend. And then just so I could ski and then like I would coach skiing and, and fold bagels in a bakery and wash dishes. And it's like that, like, I've only really been making a living building trail for, you know, really only a year and a half, right. you know, like, and you know, I'm 28 now and it, I got lucky, but it also like, I've worked 
a ton of crappy jobs. Like, and still, like if I like I framed houses, I we built a greenhouse this spring when I lost a bunch of work from trail building. Like, I'm not scared of that, but I was still building on the side. Yeah, you know, so it's like it's like yeah, do what you you want, and the money will follow. It's like true to an extent, but it's like you got to. It doesn't just happen. Like you got to mm-hmm. put yourself out there, and you got to keep doing it. Like, you know, like when I had the opportunity, I did. I didn't. I worked rad trails and served at this like super mediocre seafood restaurant in Bellingham and like where you had to wear like stupid button down shirts and stuff like that. And it was like pretty much just serving elderly people. (laughs) And I I hated it, but it was like, but the whole time you're like, uh, kick flips and, and, uh, yeah, exactly. and just, what, what's your like, I just want to be skiing pow and like <laughs> ripping berms but it was you know but like that was part of it yeah and sometimes it, you got to pay the price it's like that's that job allows me to, to take that risk like I wouldn't have been able to like Camden we didn't have money in the route trails accounts to be like hey I'm going to hire you here's your salary start digging that's not how it works yep. like you almost I, have to create get, that though in a way you, you yeah, almost have we to had to, exactly. yeah. we had to balance it out so it's like for me it's like we got to make this work we need work we need jobs. And mm-hmm. so it, I was like, you don't just like one day be like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to get paid to do this and do it. Yeah. Like you have to like, I, w- I worked for six months doing that while getting work. And then finally, like, and I was kind of a shady move on my part. I was like, finally, I was like, okay, I have enough work lined up for the summer. And I quit like that day. And yeah. I quit and I was like, okay, now I can like, I'm good for the summer. And if I have to get another job in the fall, I will. And it kind of just like started working and it rolls and it picks up and it picks up. And now it's like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, we have like a consistent schedule for like a year out wow. and, it, and it's growing constantly. So it's like, but it is, it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm going to be a trail builder. I'm going to do what I love and make money. It was like, no, I, I hated serving tables. I yeah. still hate serving tables, but if I had to do it tomorrow so I could ride my bike and go skiing, like I would, I would apply at the nearest restaurant. So. Well, the cool thing though, is that when you're blazing a trail, you're defining a possible experience for someone, Right. And it's the same thing, you know, and I've had the same kind of quandary myself where there were some things that I wasn't very excited about doing that made a lot of sense. And then there were also times that I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? And how am I going to get there? You know, and it's just, and sometimes you just have to like hit the brakes and realize that it ain't going to happen right away. But when you stick with that final vision, you can end up with either a trail or, or a business or a job. And, you know, with, with creating this trail building thing, you know, you're going to hit a point. I'm seeing this happen because we can talk about this real briefly and then we can wrap up. One thing that I noticed is that a lot of people say, why can't we have trails like this here? And, uh, you know, I, and yeah. I don't know, depends on the, where, where I'm based. Right. So, uh, I'll give a little shout out. There's a uh, big Creek gravity riders. They've done a really good job down near Atlanta. And when they started out, I think they've actually been building since like the nineties or early two thousands. And they started out with a really yeah. sketchy jump from what I hear that was just like a giant sender. Like it, it was a death sender basically. And it was like, cool, this is free ride. This is what they had. And from there it eventually evolved. Now, when I started riding, I built the trails at Clemson with my team and, and all of my friends, you know, the Clemson Freeride organization. I didn't found it. There were actually other people that were like even more forward in their thinking than that. And they said, hey, we're going to do this. And as soon as I got into a position where I could kind of influence how the trail would be built, I was saying, look, the movies, like, guys, we need to do it like that. Yeah, and it was like, cool, 45-foot wall ride was like, that. that's a thing. We're going to make it. You can and, do it, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so 
as we were kind of building, you know, Big Creek, they weren't quite as developed as they are now. But what we did is we just decided, look, you know, we're going to build this. Now, what we had that other places don't is literally like we we got we got the license to yeah yeah drill. it was yeah. it was so ridiculous dude you like got the master key <laughs> we literally had a permission from the forest service they were like hey we've got the biggest land use um, i think i, I got to look at the term again but basically clemson university owns the biggest forest or land piece of what of any like university in the world or something like that it's crazy and so they said cool just don't put nails in trees and don't do anything like that's going to really <laughs> seriously hurt anyone. And we just, we got the license to build and we built and we built and we built and we built and it was amazing. And we had, I think 172 feet of elevation. There's a lot you can do with that. Oh my gosh, dude. We had, uh, we had doubles. We had, we had some secret stuff. It's not there anymore, but basically anyways, the, the story is, you know, yeah, we built a huge wall ride. We had massive drops. We had all kinds of stuff. And then by the time, like today, right now, Big Creek has been developed to where it's even surpassed anything we built, in my opinion. So that's kind of a shout out to them. But what they have is a community that gets it, that's kind of behind them. And it's a thing. Like they get what it is. They don't really understand what it is, but they know like, okay, those guys do that thing and we kind of let them. And they have this, there's a little bit of attitude there in a good way. They're like, look, this is what we stand for. This is like free ride. This is what it means to us and how we build. And then, and we were talking about this before, where some organizations, like they just kind of have a chip on their shoulder and they do it well. We don't need to talk about any particular groups. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Well, I'll, I'll try not to piss anybody. I probably pissed enough trail builders off already. So I guess. Well, <laughs> what I, it's not, this isn't even about the trail builders. This is more about the community because at some point the community needs to agree that we have either a problem we want to solve, right? Like, well, we need more people on bikes and the economic system can benefit from this or whatever. Or it's got to be the community says we want this. You know, this is something we desire, right? So, you know, from your perspective, what do you think is the most important thing that a riding community can do right now? Like, let's say that they've been saying, well, we need better trails or we need a pump track or we need an asphalt pump track or we need some more challenging trails around here. What's something that they can do right now to make that happen? Well, first of all, like going back to what I said about like, yeah, learning how as you go, if you're going to build something, you are built something crappy. Mm-hmm. When it comes to actually like large scale flow trails, like I think that in this day and age with how many people are riding, like we got to be really on it and have like professional trail crews come in, build really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And to get to that point, like, like when we go and build, like I want to build. So if a beginner who's never ridden a mountain bike before, like accidentally ends up on the trail, they're not going to kill themselves. That's the goal. So we need to set a standard. If you're learning to build, yeah, learn in your yard. But like, for a professional traveler to come in, build a flow trail or jump trail in your community, mm-hmm. the most important thing you can do is talk to the local officials. Like mm-hmm. so much of my job is going to fundraisers, meeting with aldermen, going to city council meetings, emailing people from the forest service, people from the state, even those that don't mountain bike just want to see public land being used. And they want to know what the land users want. And that's the thing, like, you know, in, in the St. Louis area in Eureka, we just built the dual slalom track. Mm-hmm. And not the mayor, not a single alderman on the board had ever touched a mountain bike ever. That's awesome. And, Good for them. And all they, and well done on and your part exactly. too. Congrats. Well, you know, it was, it was 20 years of this amazing trail organization there that had worked their butt off building trails that got us the in for that. So huge shout out to Gorg, gateway off-road cyclist. 
But their big thing was that they needed to convince the city to spend money to build those progressive trails that they couldn't build. They can go out there and build those hand-built rocky trails and they will go into city council meetings. And I went there and we went to a fundraiser and we needed a certain number of votes. And I had to talk to every single alderman and convince them to vote on this project because yeah. but they don't care about the biking specifically. They care about the economic impact. They care about their public lands being used. When a city owns a park and you live in that city, that's your land. Mm-hmm. And if you're not making your voice heard, if you're not actively going, yeah, okay, I get it. A city council meeting can be boring. It's also really interesting to see how your local politics works. So when you have oh, yeah. an issue come up and you're whining about it, you can go deal with it yourself because that's that's how it works. Right. You can't just sit on your butt and not and not do anything about it. So go to your city council meetings, get a group of riders together and talk to your local officials. Like down in Florida, OMBA, Ocala Mountain Bike Association, we just built a flow trail there last fall. Their relationship with the state parks in Florida is incredible. Incredible. And they're to the point where when they want a new trail, they hit up the state. The state pretty much says yes to whatever they want because they've gone about it the right way for 25 years. And they call us up and they're like, hey, we have the funding for this trail. We're doing this fundraiser. Can you help us? Once the funds are there, we can move in and dig the next That's day. Amazing. And so it's it's you have to build that relationship from the bottom. It's just like working in a restaurant to get a business going. Mm-hmm. It's part of the deal. It sucks. It really sucks. And it's tough. But also, like you meet some of the best people working in restaurants. So you meet some of the best people at those city council meetings because, you know, it's we can't be so contained just in the mountain bike world. Like we yeah. need to let other people into the mountain bike world and realize why we like it, and that mm-hmm. they don't need to come in and ride. But if they understand why riders are coming to town or spending money or what they're going to spend money on or what they want, they're happy to provide it. Yeah. They're building playgrounds and skate parks and soccer fields for people. They want people to be happy in their communities and have a better way of life. And mm-hmm. And they're starting to recognize now. Now it's only getting easier too. Like if you want bike trails in your town, there's so many examples of these blue collar towns that had their little boom and bust in the seventies and eighties that are like killing it right now. Bellingham where I live is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Burke in Vermont's a perfect example. They're having some land issues right now. But as a whole, it's like, there's no shortage of like positive economic examples across around the world that show like how mountain bike help communities so just be involved go through the boarding store if you're a 16 year old kid and you want dirt jumps in your and you're like start going to the city council meeting and you'll immediately stand out because you're a 16 year old kid who's interested in making something happen yeah and if it doesn't happen you just learned a whole lot about litigation go to college where there's some badass bike trails and you'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i'll uh, can i add to that as well too because you know i i won't say what my um background is in but uh, let's just say that i'm extremely good at understanding why people make decisions so that's how i used to make my money like and still do in a lot of ways so the the key here though guys that it's really not that difficult to put together essentially a pitch deck in what you want to do. Basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can come up with examples of other towns. And and it's easier than ever nowadays to look up like the video of someone opening the bike park in town and like the mayor who clearly does not ride bikes. And you can just tell they're like, oh, I'm just overjoyed. This is is great. (laughs) Look at all the kids having fun. And then the recap, you can look up the videos like six months later and they're going, wow, you know, we didn't realize it, but it's even more economic impact than we could have imagined. What you do if you show people what's possible and show them why you're interested and you show up with a group of people and start a conversation, it's really not that difficult because then you can ask, well, what are your goals? What do you hope to achieve with how our community moves forward with any tool? 
what are you really hoping to achieve? And if you listen to them, they might say, well, we really want to bring more businesses in the area. Or they might even say, you know, we've, we've had all this money poured into the infrastructure, but what do we do to make it something family friendly? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like they have, there are these things, but they're not going to connect the dots. If you show up and show them what's possible, if I'm hearing you right, Cody, it's just, it's just about starting a conversation. Yeah. And I think that's why I can sell non-biking so easy because I've driven across the country so many times. My mom lives in Minnesota. My dad lives in upstate New York. My other family's in California. Mm. Like I'm always on the go. And so I'm always passing through these small towns all, all around the country. And that was one of the things that, that really resonated with me. And they were like, well, like how, like in, in St. Louis in particular, Eureka, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, what do you feel about this? And I was like, listen, I've driven through this town, five miles north of this town on the freeway six times in the past 10 years. And I've never stopped in this town. But if I had known that there's a bike park in this town, when I was driving through, I would have stopped for, you know, I would have ridden the bike park, gotten dinner at a local restaurant, probably broke my bike, gone to the local bike shop, <laughs> gotten a beer and left. Yeah. Right there, I spent $150, $200 on my way through town. Yeah. But because there was nothing there, I it's just another small town on the highway mm-hmm. and I drove right through it. And obviously, Eureka is not another small, like all these towns have a lot of personal, awesome characteristics and stuff. But yeah. from a mountain biker's perspective, all the kids I know that are driving out to Jackson Hole and Tahoe every summer or at the end of the summer to go ski for the winter, they have their mountain bikes on the car and they don't mm-hmm. mind stopping. They don't mind breaking up their drive. And that adds up. You know, it adds up. It adds, it brings something, it brings a new, like a fresh air to your community. You know, mm-hmm. mountain bikers, you either have a ton of money and you're willing to invest in the sport or all the money that you're making, you're putting into the sport. And I've called exactly. the latter category, but it's, yeah. it's dedication. Like, I don't mind. Like, I'm going to spend money on a bike trip. I'm going to spend money on my bike. I'm going to spend mm-hmm. money traveling somewhere. I'm going to stay at a hotel if the rain is bad, if it's really raining. I'm going to go to a good local bakery if I don't feel like making breakfast one morning. You know, like, I'm going to go. If I crush a 20-mile ride and I'm up in Squamish, British Columbia, and I'm exhausted, like, I'm not going to cook. I'm going to go to the local brewery and try their local beer and have some food. And all those little things add up. And I just want, you know, to be the face. I think I represent the demographic of who's going to be going there. Mm -hmm. Like a late 20s person who has a job full-time that's willing to travel to have fun. So Yeah, it's really interesting, too. I mean, what are your thoughts on... When I looked at the research, it's about 18 and a half million or more mountain bikers in the world. It might even a be significant now, amount too. of those. Yeah. And anyone <laughs> who's listening yeah. and like trying to figure out, you know, oh, would this help us? Yeah, this was two years ago. That big of a number is usually not super up to date. Um, so the interesting thing when I looked at it, it, it seemed like the average amount of money spent on a mountain bike trip to like go drive a couple hours to the mountains. Yeah. Usually it's about 150 to $300, not including lodging. Yeah. And so it's just interesting, the economy of scale of mountain biking, it's, you don't really think about it. You know, it's kind of, it actually is a lot like golf, I guess you could say. Yeah. I was compared to skiing, but skiing is more real estate and like resort kind of feeling, but golf, I think is a better example where you might go to an area where there's like 10 golf courses and try to golf all of them into like a 10 day trip or two week trip. If I'm not mistaken, I think I did some research on this too. I think there are a million golf courses in the United States and fewer which than... Is, which is insane, by the way. That's yeah, and then fewer <laughs> than 200 pump tracks. But the number of golfers, uh, golf is like a billion dollar sport. And uh, I think if I remember correctly, cycling is a billion dollar sport. Yeah. But like kids aren't going to like get on a road bike. They're going to get on a Strider bike and ride a pump track. Yeah. So it's just like the disparity is insane. It's like... Again, you know, one million. Also, most kids aren't going to go golfing. 
you know, like that's just, <laughs> yeah, actually they're not even, even though Tiger Woods made it really cool. It, and I used to play golf. Actually, yeah. that was my sport growing but it's not, up. But I, it's not a seven I year old. Yeah, exactly. That's good though. Keep those for digging, you know, but, um, yeah, it helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <a> lot, <laughs> it's like most of my left hand from the, yeah. But Anyways, it, but no, it's, it, yeah, it's no, kind of fascinating though. You know, it's really crazy. I think that's the thing. And also I think mountain bike sales surpass road sales globally for the first time in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't surprise me with the the whole COVID thing. No, yeah. no, especially with COVID. But, you know, in Bellingham, they did a study, even just local traffic, it was $70 a day and $150 a day for an overnight trip of income. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. transforming towns. And I don't want to say it's the end-all, be-all making all these communities, but there's no denying it when you drive around Bend, Oregon, or Burke, or Bentonville, or Bellingham, or, you know... Mm-hmm all these places and you see the amount of bikes on the back of trucks and, and cars like coming through town and at the restaurants and people in knee pads walking around town. Like there's no denying that those people are spending money, you know, like, yeah. and it's changing for the better. It's, it's really, really, really cool. And, and that's one reason why we wanted to get involved now. And I'm glad we, we got involved because mm-hmm. yeah, like, like I said, I'm all for going out and learning how to build trails and, and you got to learn how to build crappy trails before you learn to build good ones. But there's a place and there's enough people out there where not everybody's going to be out there digging. And so I want to build the best trails possible for them to have a positive experience mm-hmm. so they can keep you not only keep you and I employed, but like maybe give a little reboot to these towns that have been hurting. You know, like Bellingham was a super blue collar town and it was not forgotten, but it was only appreciated by people that live there. And the place is transforming. It's insane. You know, people from Seattle and California are moving up left and right. And mm-hmm. It's frustrating when, when you're trying to buy a home there, but it's at the same time, it's it's not for nothing, you know? Yeah. And with that comes other, yeah, if you're a 35 year old that works in tech and you make good money and you love playing outside, you moving to a community and investing your money in that community is not just good for the biking. It's good for the restaurants. It's good for the local mm-hmm. shops. It's good for the local parks and the playgrounds. It's good for cleaning up the city. It's good for all those things combined. And, you know, mountain biking, if it's not a major push in that, it's, it's playing a big role, you know, mm-hmm. if it's not the majority push. So it's cool. It's evolving, you know, it's, and I'm happy to be a part of it. And I, I'm not, you know, the only one out here doing this, but I, I feel like using my, I can talk someone's ear off and I'm a good salesman and I, I want to be like a new face for trail building and be like this person that's like willing, like, I want to open people into the sport, you know, with open arms. It's, it's tough. Yeah. I think there's a lot of exclusivity in the sport and, and I don't think that's necessarily intentional. I think it's just kind of the people that it's gathered up as the sports grow. Mm-hmm. But I think that we could be better about it. And building really good trails is my contribution as of now. So, yeah. Well, I'm really proud that I got a chance to speak with you about this. That's awesome. Let's talk for just a second. Are there any yeah. uh, sponsors? I know obviously Census Rad Trails, we're definitely going to give them a shout out. But just kind of go through a list of anyone that you feel is good to mention, is good for people listening to know about. I would say first and foremost, like support your local trail organization. If you ride bikes at all, like just look up who your, you know, regional trail organization is. Chances are they're doing a lot more work than they think they're doing. And a lot of the times, if the, even if you don't, can't make it out to a volunteer day, like donate 20 bucks to them. It goes a long way. That buys a couple shovels. And sometimes you want to leave it up to the builders. Personally, I ride for Census Grips and Census Rad Trails while I work for them. Same company, but two different branches. Flylo Gear, which makes all the clothing I ride for. Pock Helmets and Protective Gear. Banshee Bikes, Marzocchi. Trying to think, I don't want to forget. That's so WTB. That's so yeah, <laughs> exactly. WTB, which is great. Um, and then uh, the biggest thing that I'm kind of stoked on right now is Ride Tenant, okay. which is a handlebar stem company out of Bellingham. And 
he, what I'm doing right now, if anybody wants needs new handlebar and stem or pedals, I get a kickback on all the purchases you made if you use the code CW hookup. But I have a full time job, and so all my kickback from the get go, I'm donating it to the Vamos Outdoor Project in Bellingham, and they get Latinx kids out in the outdoors. It was just like after all this stuff kind of kicked up this spring, I realized I could do a better part personally, not just as a trail builder. So if you want to support a sick local like component company, Tenant Components out of Bellingham, like use CW hookup and like it's not a lot, but I'm trying to put it in to get more kids outside that probably don't have the opportunity otherwise. So. To me, that's the most important one. Uh, all those other companies are great and support me really well. But if I can just have a little bit of an impact on that, it'd mean a lot. So, And if you don't need handlebars or stuff, just donate to the Vomis Outdoor Project. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. And uh, any other shout outs or, or mentions? Uh, yeah. I mean, Cam. Cam Zink. He's the, he's the freaking man. He's like, that dude's like the hardest working guy in freeride. And he's been such a good mentor. And, you know, he's the reason Rad Trails is Rad Trails. So... You know, I work my butt off because I want to press them really, you know, like I have asked a lot of jobs in my life, but I'm all in on this one because I, I want to, you know, he's one of my heroes and he's done, he's been so supportive and I can call him whenever. And if I have a question, we'll figure stuff out together. And yeah, and, and all the diggers that helped me, my brother and Marco and Ben and, and all of them, it's been great. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of people to thank, but those, uh, Cam stands out. He's done a lot for the sport more than most people know. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, man, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. I'm absolutely stoked. I know you got some things to get to, so we'll let you go. But for right now, again, thank you a million times over. And guys, we're going to do another, probably going to do another episode if you're open to it. And we'll dive a little deeper. And if you want just me to come back like monthly, I'll come down. Well, eventually I need to get you over to my house, man, and get this, get this. um, We'll talk about that too. Set up fixed. One thing, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, send me that email with your property details and I'll start scheming. But yeah, I'd I'd love to come back. Just let me know. And I, you know, I'm I'm pretty flexible and I thrive off being busy and stressed. So keep me busy (laughs) and keep me stressed and I'll do a better job at what I'm doing. We support you, man. We love what you do. I know how hard it is to build something and to bring something to life. So congrats to you on taking the plunge, going full time and full in, full committed to building these trails. And uh, thanks for making an impact on our sport, Cody. We really appreciate you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And right back at you. I think you're doing more than you know. So have a great night, man. Hey, everyone. This is Dave again. Thank you so much for listening in. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Share with your riding friends and follow us at mountainbikeacademy.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you love the show, help us help the riding community by leaving us a positive review. This allows more people to see, connect, get inspired, and it makes this world a better place to ride. Thanks so much for your help, and we'll see you on the next episode.